Welcome to the Aviation Safety Community Podcast, presented by the Aviation Safety Community and today's sponsor, Flight Logics. Dedicated to progressing aviation safety, leadership, training, and research in the air and on the ground. In this week's episode, Grenville Hudson interviews Sue Keating, an emergency response and crisis management consultant with Keating Consulting, regarding the future of crisis management in the aviation industry. Hello, it's Grenville Hudson from the Aviation Safety Community, and with me today is Sue Keating. And Sue um, is a emergency response and crisis management uh, consultant uh, with Keating Consulting. Hello, Sue. How are you going? Hi, Grenville. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me today. Oh, no worries. Um, now, can you give us a bit of a background on yourself and, and what you've done to date. Yeah, sure. I, I started out my working life in the Merchant Navy, actually. I went down to Launceston to the Australian Maritime College. I was um, learning how to manage or operate big vessels, worked on cargo ships around Australia. I was very young, though. I was 17 when I joined the Merchant Navy and uh, decided to, whilst I loved the job, loved the ocean, decided to go find something else to do on land. I got into air traffic control did 16 and a half years with Air Services Australia, Australia's navigational service provider. And I worked in towers. I was very lucky to work in towers around the country, procedural approach, and did radar en route at the end. And then I trained some brand new air traffic controllers for over a year and then worked in the safety department in air services. So I worked with CASA and would go around to flying schools, general aviation community, and uh, help them promote air traffic controllers and the communication between us, show that we're not scary people. And that's uh, where I came across you, Grenfell, met you then. And uh, from there, I worked out how to translate the skills of an air traffic controller into the outside world. I left air services and set up my own company. I work now in emergency and critical incident management response. I work with two other companies to provide the services. We work with the oil and gas, food, education, transport industries, and really enjoy getting to see the breadth of how those emergency responses can be um, how, how they're valued in different communities, different industries. Mm. And I think it's quite interesting today that this area of emergency response uh, planning, crisis management, um, business continuity planning, it's becoming quite a, a focused area um, within operators. And I, I think it's probably one thing that a lot of organisations either don't even think about or have never ever put any sort of planning in place and perhaps um, you might be able to give us some insight on where you see um, people should be uh, focusing on when it comes to emergency response planning and crisis management. Yes certainly so yes last year really changed the world as far as emergency response planning goes and business continuity many companies had to face that uh, straight up how, how to manage their businesses well with everybody having to go and work from home particularly in the Victorian region where where I am based and uh, that was probably a very steep learning curve and adjustment period for a number of companies um, I think that the the focus now ought to be on uh, 
how do we now manage any additional emergency response that would come to an organisation on top of the way that we've already been working and the things that we've already seen? One of the things you uh, talked about recently was a hybrid response and yeah, that's, that's probably what you're alluding to there. That's right. Okay, so in the past, any sort of critical incident response would have been, would have seen all of the executive team come into a boardroom or a, a war room in their organisation's building and all work together across the table with whiteboards, uh, telephone calls, you know, um, telephones in the middle of the table. But with the working from home period that we had, then all of the emergency response was everybody on Zoom or, or their own platform teams, whatever that might be. So you could see and hear everybody clearly. What we're seeing now is a, is a hybrid response requirement where we have some people working from home and some people in the war room or in the boardroom with the old whiteboard and the telephone in the middle of the table. And those two things don't necessarily connect very well. The people at home can't necessarily see the whiteboard because the cameras are often set up to see the table rather than the walls in the room, of course. And uh, they can't always hear. The audio is not really good enough to hear the general conversation between people in the room. So we're working with organisations to improve their response, whether that be creating a digital whiteboard, electronic whiteboard that can be shown to the people at home, shared with the people at home, improving the audio in the room, um, that sort of thing, so that the teams can communicate effectively and each of the role holders can still manage their own roles with all of the information. And I think with small businesses um, where you've got limited resources, this sort of uh, technology now that we've seen through the COVID side of things with the use of Zoom and all that, that adds a new dimension, I think, to the response. And what do you think of that? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think what it does is provides flexibility that in the past somebody might have felt that they weren't able to provide an effective response. Like if you had the CEO somewhere else on business or, or away from the main room, they may have felt uh, remote from the response, whereas now it's uh, a lot more we know how to work with this technology a lot better because of COVID. The other thing that it does bring into the, the game is that we can bring in other specialists quite easily using this kind of technology. Um, so you don't actually have to have all of the response capability within your own organisation. There are organisations out there, certainly the ones that I work with, who can provide some of that response for you just by calling and you know, uh, connecting via a platform like this, that we can be really a big part of that response for you and help you manage that. Yes, yeah, so um, again, like a lot of small companies where it's it's a family organisation, you've got, uh, you know, um, uh, the managing director and, and the administration manager are usually husband and wife and, and, um, and the chief pilot uh, is the wife and the, the, the husband's the, the operations manager and all that sort of thing. And... I guess um, there's a lot of emotional attachment which could cloud a lot of judgment. So uh, what you're talking about is it sounds interesting, sounds like a, a, an alternative. Well, that's right. I think it's part of the business continuity plans. If you have a look at what your plan is for any kind of event 
and uh, assess where your weaknesses are or what kind of skills you don't have within the organisation or don't have within easy reach. And then you can talk to somebody like me who can help you understand what you can achieve by just a phone call to one of us. We can manage the, certainly manage the media. We can help you with all of the other response requirements. Just by a telephone call, we would need to understand a little bit about your business, perhaps have a look at your emergency response plans prior to that, just to get an understanding of the things that you'd be facing, especially if we're talking about an, an aviation incident. That's something that we can help manage. The media can be managed from remotely. We don't have to be on site with you. And uh, we can certainly take all of the phone calls and manage all of that quite easily for you. We can also help with advice as to uh, who else you need to contact, what other things you need to think about and put in place quite quickly, and then how to recover the business reputationally, uh, financially, how to put those things in place to help a recovery, which is a big part of the emergency response plan. It's the recovery. Where do you go from here? Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of um, emergency uh, exercises and, and that side of thing, what what do you see as uh, necessary there for both large and small organisations? Well, best practice is to uh, run an emergency response exercise once a year, best practice right across the board, or the other time to practice is if you've redone your emergency response plans, it's really important to test those plans straight up and ensure that everybody, all of the role holders in the organisation understand what their role and responsibility is in times of an emergency, where they should go, what they need to do. So you can practice these by a desktop exercise, which is really just about creating a scenario and everybody running through the scenario as they would if it were a real one. And what that helps to do is find any issues within your plans, things that are not really written out well or are not current. Uh, There's a lot of things that changed in COVID, which has meant that some of the response plans are not current and uh, fit for duty right now. And you can run a actual emergency exercise involving other parties. If you owned and operated a small aerodrome, let's say, and your, it would be highly advantageous to invite the council, the fire brigade, the local police, the local SES, the hospital to take part in an exercise once every two years or so, so that everybody understands what their roles are in case of an emergency, even something like an emergency at the airfield. Where does the fire brigade come to? What gate? Where does the police come to? Um, can they access the aerodrome straight up or do they need to wait for approval? Will there still be planes operating at the aerodrome if there is an emergency there? So one of the things that I've seen in the past in my tower experience was fire trucks, the local fire trucks who weren't really familiar with the aerodrome. They just drove straight in through the gate and straight across the runway and we had an aircraft on final for that runway. So we could have had a secondary incident. It's, it's that kind of thing that you're trying to avoid during an emergency response. It's just everybody understanding their roles and the risks around an area. I think it's interesting what you say about uh, the uh, getting the ancillary services involved in terms of fire brigade and, and police. And and as, as you say, a lot of people just do not know the airport uh, if, if it's at an airport. So anything could happen there. There could be uh, drainage that they're not familiar with and all that sort of thing. So briefing uh, 
the uh, fire crews and that is really paramount in the whole exercise, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And the beauty about a physical response is uh, the embedded knowledge then, the embedded understanding of where things are. It helps to know where the fuel storage is in an airfield. It helps to know where the taxiways and the runways are in case an emergency is don't uh, kindly happen in the middle of broad daylight necessarily. Like you're looking at evening times or early morning or fog conditions. You need to know where you need to, where it's safe to go and uh, where people can, can gather to prepare a response and manage that. For sure. And in terms of um, just handling uh, families and things like that from from uh, of you know passengers on aircraft and all that sort of thing, there's no you, you really have to have designated uh, areas and and that sort of thing. But I was just wondering, just with in terms of COVID and that, how it's all sort of changed, uh, you know, social distancing and all that. Has that sort of changed that area at all in terms of how we would would respond? with um, uh, handling, you know, the, the affected people? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially if we do have government requirements in place at the time, that does make things a bit different. And my suggestion would be to assign people to manage that side of the response. If you're going to gather or have a, an area for gathering families or survivors, then make sure that the area is big enough to accommodate the people, the number of people you need to, make sure that we can accommodate the spacing and that there's somebody there to oversee that and uh, provide all of the necessary PPE if it's required at the time. Uh, somebody employed to do that is the most beneficial rather than somebody who's involved. You really want a specific person there to manage that. Mm. That's where what you were saying before with the um, uh, having having an independent person that can come in and do that sort of thing. I, I can see some advantages in that. Absolutely. Yeah. So not every company is going to be set up to have uh, the role players, the, the people who can take on the responsibility of managing an incident or necessarily have the skill set of dealing with the media or, uh, and, and if you're a highly, have a highly emotional response, perhaps it's the pilots are, you know, if we're talking about an aviation incident, mm. if the pilots are related or well-known to the, the company executives, it would be a very difficult emotional situation. So there are companies like mine that you can call in times of emergency. We can assist with that media response. We can even take all of the telephone calls, manage all of that response for the company. Uh, we can send out, either send out representatives to assist with the response ongoing or do it via this kind of like via Zoom, by Teams mm -hmm. and uh, actually help fulfill all of those response requirements, which are about continuing the business, uh, the financial and the reputational impact, the management for the families, what kind of response we're going to help for the victims, what we're going to do for the victims, mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so just wondering, um, in terms of like future developments and, and that, where do you see, uh, you know, this emergency response planning side of things going in the f future or, or what are your thoughts generally on, on, on key safety issues in the future in this sort of area? Yeah, so I think that regulations really are going to uh, set the standard for what's required for businesses. I think that there's been some business failures through COVID and 
with businesses not being able to manage the response. I think regulation changes will require more heavily a focus on emergency response planning. In fact, um, there have been changes to Part 139 aerodromes manual of standards that have changed what smaller what aerodromes require in that some are now required to have aerodrome manuals that weren't previously required to. Uh, there's also been the inclusion of emergency procedures and the need for emergency training exercises have been uh, put into the manual of standards. And we can help to develop and deliver those exercises to ensure that the operator and local emergency services are all aware of their roles. With other organisations, we are seeing that they understand now after COVID the, the requirement for sturdy emergency response plans that do cover off any kind of uh, incident and uh, the need for training so that their people really do understand what their roles are at any particular time. And one of the things with emergency exercising and running through these things with companies is that they gain confidence that they can problem solve on their own, problem solve as a team, they gain confidence in their plans. And I've seen some companies really very happy with the response that they made to COVID because their plans were up to date and they were fit for purpose and they were fit for any kind of emergency. And they stuck to their plans, they ran through their checklists, everybody managed their roles. They invited in the secondary teams. And, and this is actually something to point out, Granville, sorry, is that through the emergency response or through the response from COVID, we're finding that some of the critical incident management teams and the emergency response teams for organisations are, are fatigued or showing signs of fatigue from constantly managing those responses. So it's a good time now to really identify who the delegates or, or secondary team players are in your company and then get them trained up so that they're ready to take on a secondary response. Unfortunately, we're still managing COVID. We still don't know when, when the requirements or when the business is now usual is going to actually stabilise. So if something else happened within your organisation, how, how ready are your teams to take that on, on top of everything that they're already doing? So that's something that really would like to encourage people to do is have a look at the secondary teams and get them trained up. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really important. I, I know that from my own experience that uh, you've you've got to have people to fill the roles uh, of the of the front line and um, and yes, the ability to stay on station is is very very difficult in a small organisation. May only be able to do it for a short period. Um, yeah maybe only right. a day sometimes, you know. That's yeah. right. And, and perhaps if you're a small business owner, maybe all that you know, need is to know that somebody's out there and to know what that phone number is and that they can be called at any time and that then all of the communications gets directed to them. Maybe that's all you need is just the communications person. Uh, you might be able to manage the response by yourself if the telephone, if you're left alone um, without having to deal with the media. So... I would say consider that and uh, I can certainly put you in touch with the right people who can manage that. I can help you with that. And uh, let's just have a, a look at your response plans and then put into that plan who you call, who those experts are that you need access to in a difficult time. Mm. There is help out there. Don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Look, that's great, Steve. Look, thanks so much for your time today. I really uh, appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, Grant. We'll appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. We would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, FlightLogix, for their continued support throughout this podcast's production. FlightLogix, providing low-cost aviation safety department solutions. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe if you liked our content. And if you're interested in learning more, feel free to find us at aviationsafetycommunity.com.au or if you wish to continue watching, have a browse of our YouTube channel to find some more episodes and content.